May the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. It is on mornings like this that I'm glad I'm not Amish. I couldn't imagine going out and starting the horse and buggy and getting them ready this morning, you know, pushing the button to start the car from inside. Not so bad. Um, Going outside and watering and, you know, whatever. There are people milking cows somewhere this morning. Um, And so, uh, you know, of all the many comforts that I think um, the the 20th and 21st century have brought us, uh, I'm grateful this morning, especially for most of them. I wonder what things frighten you. Um, Do... um, do those little spiders, you know those tiny, those ones that are about the size of a quarter and they're really fuzzy and when you try to, you know, swat them, they move like at warp speed and you can just imagine them running up your leg and attacking your spleen? Uh, do, you, do those frighten you? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they do or not. I don't, maybe it takes a bigger, tra- you know, like a tarantula-sized spider. You see one of those and maybe you'd be squeamish. For me, it's a, it's a more fuzzy, um, larger uh, mammal. Rats. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about rats, but they give me just seeing them, like in a pet store. You know, oh, I, I'm just, I'm utterly creeped out. They just, they frighten me to no end. There, there are places in in the Far East where rats are actually a delicacy. You can go to certain restaurants, and they're in cages out front, alive. I know, Leslie. I know. And um, and you can pick one out, like we pick out lobster. You know, and. Um, and they'll take it and prepare it just for you. Uh, our children used to watch this show on television. Maybe it's still on. I don't know. It's called Fear Factor. Did anybody ever see that? They, they would do these things. They'd take this team, usually like three men and three women, and, and they would try to frighten people off the show. You know, you'd have to do something that was so frightening that you just couldn't do it, and you would, you would sort of tap out. And you would, you, One time they put these people in this, like, um, like this container, and you'd have to lay down in the container, almost coffin-like, and it was plexiglass, and they would put hundreds of rats in on top of you, you know, and then, you know, after so long, remove them like one at a... That's it, you know, just a sight, and I'm, I'm off. I'm tapping out. I'm not doing that. Other times they would do things like frighten people with heights. You know, people, many people have a fear of heights, and so they would take them up in, you know, airplanes or helicopters or, you know, put them on top of tall buildings and ask them to do these ridiculous stunts. They were usually secure. Well, they were always secured. Um, so th- there was no real uh, bodily harm to be had. But it was still, you know, a little bit squeamish. I remember one time they were up on top of this really tall building and there was another really tall building not far away. Uh, and they had this board. It was about 10 inches wide. And it spanned, I don't know, 30, 40 feet from one building to the other. And the contestants had to get on a bicycle and ride across this board from one building to the other. Now, they had a crane, and there was like a a rope so that if they fell off, you know, they wouldn't die. But still, people couldn't do it. They were paralyzed by fear. And so I don't know what it is for you, you know, heights, rats, insects. Maybe it's the fear of sight of blood, scrambled eggs. I don't know what it is. There's something that causes you to kind of get squeamish. I remember... um, Maybe you remember this right after September the 11th, the sort of heightened fear of, of Middle Eastern terrorists. I remember having to fly um, not long after. We were going, I was going somewhere, Atlanta, I think, or, or somewhere, and, and I'm getting on an airplane, and it seemed like it was like a deluge of Middle Eastern men on my plane, you know, and I'm, I'm like looking at every one of them, you know, and like I'm keeping an eye on you the entire flight, you know, don't worry, because I'm watching. Uh, just so filled with panic and fear. 
Fear is natural. It can be good. It can keep you alive in a lot of instances. But it can also paralyze, can't it? It can also be so, so controlling that it just, it just stops you from, from being rational. And I think the disciples of Jesus knew something about this sort of fear. Often in Mark's gospel, they are terrified. They are filled with fear. Perhaps you remember in, in Mark chapter 4, they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is asleep in the boat. There's a big storm that comes up, and they're tossed and turned, and he wakes, he calms the storm, and he says to them, why were you so afraid? I feel like they probably, Mark probably left something out. They probably said something like, why were we so afraid? Because we were about to die. That's why we were so afraid. The boat was about to be capsized. These were seasoned fishermen. If they were frightened, there's a good reason. But then they were frightened again. And they were terrified a second time because they said to themselves, Who is this that even the wind and waves obey him? Being around Jesus was a terrifying thing, often causing all sorts of fear to come in, all sorts of fearful situations. And today's lesson in the gospel, no different. Jesus takes three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and says, Come on, the the four of us are going up to the top of this mountain. And they climb this mountain. And Mark says when they reach the top of the mountain that Jesus metamorphosed. That's the word he used. He metamorphosed in front of them. He transfigured or transformed in front of them. Now, this isn't an internal. This is an external uh, metamorphosis. Something happened to his external form. He became just suddenly bright white. Like the clothes that he was wearing were brighter, Mark says, than any fuller, any cleaner could make them. And I read quite a bit about the process of cleaning that. I will spare you the details, but there were quite a bit of, quite a bit of work that went into to cleaning clothes and making them bright white in the ancient world. But then, not only did this happen, but suddenly two other figures appear, Moses and Elijah. I always wonder how they knew that it was Moses and Elijah. Do you ever wonder that? You know, like, did Moses look like Charlton Heston? You know, did they have little name badges on like you get at the conference? Hello, my name is, you know, like right here. And and so but anyway, they knew it was Moses and Elijah and Jesus. The three are uh, together there. And I imagine I don't know about you, but I'm thinking what it must have been like. So you have this bright light. You have these appearance of these two uh, ancient prophetic figures. I feel like there had to be noise. There had to be sound effects. You know, there had to be like a spark pop. A bang. Something had to happen. And it was, it was a, a very sensory-oriented event. In fact, Mark goes at great detail to show you all the sensory kind of uh, events that are going on. And it's frightening. It's so frightening that Peter blurts something out, right? He, he, which I always thought. He said, let, me make, let us make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. I always sort of interpreted that to be saying... Let's stay up here. You know, this is a... Peter says, it's good that we're here. Let's let's stay up here. I'm almost certain that that's not what he was saying now. You see, what he said is, let me build... let, let, Let us build three tabernacles or booths is another translation. These were little, little, um, like, twig huts that people would build. And they would build them at the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a, a, um, one of the three main feasts in ancient Judaism. Still remains a major feast today. And this was to commemorate, originally, God bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. And they would live in these little uh, huts around Jerusalem for a week to kind of commemorate the time when they came out of Egypt and into the wilderness, and were through the wilderness coming into the promised land. 
But it later came to mean a couple different things. It came to mean God's giving of the Torah. And then later, during after the post-exilic communities, it came to mean a time when we were preparing, waiting for the coming of the kingdom of God. And it's this latter form that I think Peter is saying. Look, we're about to see the kingdom of God come right here. Let's build these tabernacles and prepare ourselves for this big event that God is about to do. And then Peter gets very terrified. He's very frightened because something else happens. This cloud envelops them. And you know a cloud is never just a cloud when it's in the scripture, right? It's like... You know, um, I, I heard this uh, uh, pastor one time giving this um, children's talk, you know, to little little children around the altar, children's sermon. And he says, um, he says, um, what, what is brown, climbs in the tree, has a furry tail. And one of the children says something like, well, it sounds like a squirrel, but since we're in church, it must be, it must be God. You know, <laughs> answer to every question is God, right? Um, but this one is, you know, here's a cloud. It envelops the mountain. And in, from this cloud comes this voice. Now, a mount, a cloud is always in, in well, nearly always, a, a, a symbol of the presence of God, a theophany. Here's God speaking from the cloud. You remember, it, it's a, it's a cloud that, um, that leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. It's a cloud that envelops Mount Sinai from which the Ten Commandments come. It, it, it's always a cloud. And in the, from the cloud, God speaks. Peter answers. Let's build three tabernacles. I find it interesting that he answers because nobody asked him a question. In fact, that's what Mark is clear to say. He answered. He sees all this and he answers. He doesn't say, Mark has a way of saying, and he said, he doesn't use it. Peter answered. He, He answered this spectacular sight with, let's build three tabernacles. And then the voice comes. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Listen to him. Don't be quick to speak. Listen to him. Don't do what comes natural. Listen to him. Don't live paralyzed by fear. Listen to him. Stop making your own decisions. Listen to him. Listen, listen, listen. And remember the last thing that Jesus said before they went up to the mountain, that he must suffer and die and on the third day be raised again. And then, if anyone wants to come after me, let him or her deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Listen to him. You know, it's very easy to live in fear. To fear the cross, to fear uncertainty, to fear difficulties in life, to fear pain, to fear all the sorts of things that we fear. And the word keeps coming back to us again, doesn't it? This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. It's easy to fear rejection. We live in a world where if we witness for Christ in the world, if we, witness, if we live as a witness for Christ, we fear rejection. We fear accusations that will come against us in the name of some that we don't even have the answers to. Listen to him. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. There's an old rabbinical saying that says, um, people have two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> they should listen twice as much as they speak. Listen to my son. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And so the question kind of came to me this week, and, and, and I, I put it to you as well, because this is to all of us. When we read the scriptures, are we listening? Are we really listening? Or are we searching for sort of magic spells? You know, I think a lot of people do that, like a book of magic incantations. You know, 
Are we looking for political fodder? You know, things that we can use in conversations with other people. Or are we listening? Are we listening when we come to church? We hear our scriptures read and proclaimed and the songs that we sing when we gather around the altar. Are we listening? Do we take time in solitude to quiet ourselves and to listen for the voice of God? You see, because we live in a world that is filled with all sorts of fears, all sorts of things that can terrify us. Sometimes we say stupid things in light of all these, these fears and terrors. But in listening, we find strength. We find, we find that, that Christ speaks to us in the midst of our fears and gives us liberation from them. We find that there is a path of providence that leads to life and health and well-being. And so sometimes following Jesus can be a little dangerous, a little scary. But it's in listening to him that we find a way that leads to life. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.